0: I like to move and move. I like to move and move. I like to move and move. You like to move. I like to move and move.
1: I like to move and move. I like the movie, You like to move. I like to move and I like to move movie. I like to move
0: movie. You like to move. All right, good day everybody and welcome to I I Like like to Movie Movie! movie. Uh, My name is Dan Scully. My name is Garrett Smith. And we have a very special episode of I Like to Movie Movie today. Um, This is uh, a a movie that has become dear to both of our hearts for a multitude of reasons. Yes, Partially because it's good and partially because we have a special treat for you. Um, The movie, of course, is Upstream Color. Yes, directed by and written by and produced by
2: and edited by and And starring. starring and score by. Shane Carruth.
0: Carruth. Caruth. Is that? Did we? Is it, that, we determined okay, it was yeah, Carruth. Yeah. Shane yes. Caruth. And uh, the reason we determined that it was Carruth is because we got an inside scoop from one of the stars, uh, Andrew Sensenig, and you will be uh, privy to listen to an interview that we did with him about this movie we're, uh, when you're uh, done with this episode.
2: Yes, we're actually we're dropping both episodes same day. So. Uh, You definitely want to start with this one. This should pop up in your feed first. Mm -hmm. Uh, Make sure you watch Upstream. I feel like that's a general rule for I like to movie movies. Make sure you've seen the movie before we spoil it ridiculously. But this one especially, watch this movie. Sit down and listen to this episode and then follow it up with the next episode in your feed which is a, a about an hour long interview with Andrew Sensenig uh, he plays the sampler, sampler, sampler. in uh, in upstream color and it, it's a it's a great fucking interview we had a great time talking to him we may reference the interview while talking about the movie oh, now yeah, absolutely. and you can just listen to it when we're done
0: and it's as we said, it's important that you watch this movie because of you know our show, but also because it's, it's fucking good. This is a great it's movie. It's a cool movie. It is a movie movie to the extreme. Yes because it, it is you know we, we've done movies that were adapted out of books, we've done movies that were remakes. Um, this is a movie that cannot exist outside of itself in any way. no and, and it shouldn't. It's, it's perfect for, for our purposes.
2: It's a wholly original story that is completely original and dependent on the fact that it's a film.
0: Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and um, it's important to start with uh, when we say Shane Carruth, he did. Uh, you've probably heard of it if you're a fan of the show called Primer. Yes. Um, also available on Netflix. Uh, I, should, uh, did I say that Upstream Color oh, is on Netflix? Yes. So you can, you can watch, watch it, for free it for right now for seven ninety nine a month. Yes. And um, uh, Primer was like a time travel movie. It was a very heady one that he shot, scored, directed, starred in himself, and it was very low budget. And so he but has excellent. a little bit of a, like but yeah, really, absolutely really excellent and uh this is his follow up and it shows that he's got he's gotten better as an actor, better as a filmmaker, uh more interesting as a writer and uh it's weird because whereas Primer was tough to be it, I wouldn't say it was un- inaccessible, it's definitely a thinker and whereas. It certainly um, requires
2: multiple viewings. Multiple
0: viewings. That one requires a pause button. Whereas Upstream yeah. Color, I don't think it requires a pause button. It just requires multiple viewings. It's, I don't it's even a think mood it piece. It requires
2: multiple viewings the same way Primer does.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't say requires, but demands. Yes. it's, it's uh, yes. you, will, you will want to watch it again because yes. it's supremely entertaining. It's challenging, but it's, it's not. Uh, it's not, uh, you know, hard to get into. It's, it's a no, yeah. It really,
2: uh, it'll capture you uh, pretty much immediately, mm-hmm. and it will keep you in that seat even as the movie continues to sort of uh, defeat your expectations in a way where it's not exactly clear through most of the movie exactly what's happening, mm-hmm. but it gives you enough of an inkling that you can stay seated and interested. Until it gives you that conclusion that really uh, drives most of its plotline home and together. Absolutely, uh, it's uh, it's so challenging a movie that we're actually a little we feel like it's going to be <laughs> challenging to talk about. Where do we start? Is yeah, the, is
0: the question. Well, I think actually, I, I think we should start here by saying exactly what you just said: is that so many movies now, and and so many, like for example, I found. Uh, I watched back in the day No Country for Old Men with my roommate and he was absolutely enraptured by this movie but if you remember at the end of No Country for Old Men it's kind of anticlimactic there's a weird monologue and then they roll the credits and his response was that's it? Fuck this movie this movie (laughs) sucks and I said No, it doesn't suck. You might not be cool with the ending. But that's a problem that I find in in modern audiences is they need every little thing painted out for them. They really need closure. And so then as a result, we're getting filmmakers that feel that they have to paint everything out. And then we're getting movies that are thematically weaker. Mm -hmm. And so where Carruth comes in and saves the day for me is that Upstream Color... It requires a participatory audience yes. Uh it doesn 't gi- it gives you all the pieces you need to figure it out, but absolutely none of the answers and it 's richer because of that. this
2: movie does not treat you like you 're stupid exactly uh, it, it requires you to participate with it uh, you You need to be actively watching this film in order to have uh, the experience that I think this film wants you to have while watching mm. it
0: which is interesting to say because uh, when we when we talked with uh, with Andrew. He Can said we're, that you we're know, on first name basis with him now. We are on a first name <laughs> basis. <laughs> right. with him. He was so nice. <laughs> I know we we've got to be on a first name basis. <laughs> no, he was. Uh, he basically stated something that that having watched this movie with different groups of people, everybody takes something different from it, and nobody's really wrong. Yeah, it's uh, it's meant to be that way. But I, if well, I were to give it a genre, this is definitely a science fiction movie. Yeah, I would totally Not agree doubt. with that. Yeah, mm.
2: uh, and it, it is. Uh, I don't know. Should we try? Should we try and explain it as a whole, like conceptually, what it actually is? um yes because people have it. seen it now right people like, have it. You've seen if it you've, if you're you've, listening to this you've seen it you've seen it
0: uh so uh where do we start so so up <laughs> it's through, such a cyclical plot yeah that it, it's there's no beginning or end it's about to it, really. an organism it is about an organism that's, that's where you start mm-hmm. it, it,
2: it's about an organism it's about a strange organism it's not an alien organism it's very organic to our planet and, and things that are here mm. uh although we did i guess get into talking with him about
0: whether they're is any sort of alien element to any of oh, this. Oh, yeah. Uh, and becomes... it's, it's not to be determined. Right. You know, that, that's irrelevant to it. It's yes. just this organism exists in this movie, and it's, uh, it's a worm of sorts, and it comes out of... Uh, <laughs> so where does it come from? Uh, that's the Basically, thing. Basically, this, this uh, organism can be used in many ways. Yes. Uh, much like the tequila worm, it can be eaten, but it can also be boiled down and used as a mild hallucinogenic. Mm-hmm. And in the opening scene, which was a very elegant oh, way of showing great. this... Um, it's a bunch of kids that have distilled this organism down to basically like the way you would take a hit of acid. Yes. And um, if you take it together, you are now connected in some way.
2: You're you're somehow mentally linked.
0: Yes, mentally linked and also uh, very highly suggestible yes. um, to certain things. And so we're introduced with two kids that can do this. They take this drug. And they perform, with their eyes closed next to each other, a, chor- a not choreographed, but clearly choreographed hand motion yes. that they're both doing, and as an audience, we are assuming that this is not practiced. Yeah. They're just making it up as they go. But due to this link and this suggestibility, they can do it flawlessly. Yes. And this is not a word has been uttered yet in the movie. This is something that is, once again, a, a show don't tell, where we're given some of the uh, some of the effects of this drug yes. of the, that's born from this organism and,
2: and what's important about this scene uh, as an audience member to, to draw from it is that this organism does make you highly suggestible mm. that that's the really important piece that they're trying to illustrate with these two boys sort of uh, I- interacting together without touching kind of mm. uh, because that <laughs> becomes the central the People at
0: home should should know that we're both oh, moving we're, our hands around we're, like doing, we're doing this thing yeah like some <laughs> as sort if of, you could see it yeah <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh,
2: the uh, Oh, but the reason that's important is because that is what the plotline does eventually become about. Yes. Uh, there We are introduced to a woman hmm.
0: uh, who... How does she get it? I don't even remember. How does she... Um, what happens is... Well, we should talk about the, the character of the, the thief. thief first. Yes, I'm sorry. Yes. Um, the thief... Hangs out outside of uh, clubs and such. Yeah, bars. And offers this drug to people. Yes. And um, we wonder if he's selling it. We wonder if he's giving it to people or right. what his deal is. But it seems as if nobody's taking it. Right. And so our lead character, and now I'm going to forget her name, so I'm going to have to look this up yeah, to uh, give I, us some Yeah, I do not remember our her name. Our lead character, who has been established as a very important person. She's a film editor of sorts. Yes. And also has been established as a very high-stress individual. Yes. Um, He basically assaults her. He knocks her out and forces this drug upon her. Yes. And that's where the story really begins. Yeah. Uh,
2: And uh, so he he drugs her at this club uh, because he can't get anybody to just buy it off of him. Uh, And he takes her. uh, Now, this was actually something that was a little confusing to me. He takes her to his home, right? He doesn't take her back to her own home.
0: No, he took her to her own home. Chris was her name. Chris. Yes. Yes. He He takes takes her her to her own home. home, Yes.
2: Okay. Hmm. That that was actually a detail that I was sort of uh, uh, confused about as it was going on. Like, whose home were we actually in? But now that I'm thinking about it, it makes sense that it would be Chris's home. Yeah. Because the idea is he's sort of reprogramming her. Absolutely. And in order for that to work, he would have to be in an environment she's familiar with.
0: Mm -hmm. And so he's put her into a very high dosage version yes. of this drug because she's not It's not, not what just the kids linked. were taking. She's highly suggestible. Yeah. And it's kind of funny because uh, this is a cool thing that they do visually. The first thing that he says to her is, hey, um, I am afflicted. I was born um, with, uh, instead of a head, I have the light from the sun. Yeah. And so she sees him visually as a human body with what looks like if you're squinting through your eyes and you look at a lamp. Yeah. It looks like that. And so that's really cool visually because... You know, she she gets this weird uh, godlike vision of him. But at the same time, you know, it's just a stupid thing for him to conceal his identity. But yes. that's how suggestible it is. Yes, yes. And he makes suggestions that she is not hungry, mm-hmm. not supposed to eat, and mm-hmm. basically puts her on a cycle of okay do this make this little you know make this craft yes, take yes. a sip of water yes it's a delicious sip of water but now you're not thirsty now do this take another sip of water and it's a weird Pavlovian uh, action reward cycle yes that slowly escalates to the point where she's signing away her home she sells off her mortgage yep. basically gives him all of everything she has money wise and then like that he's gone lifts the suggestion Yep, and she just <laughs> it's actually kind of humorous because at this point she eats everything in her house uh-huh. out of house and home and then wakes up wondering what the fuck happened. Yes. Is it the next day? And we're not even really given a time frame for right. how long she was away, it but does long seem enough for her to, to, to have lost her
2: job. Yeah, yeah. It seems to be quite a bit of time. Mm. I, like at least a few weeks, if not like uh, pressing on a month, two months. Oh, yeah. Like that. It's a while. Yeah.
0: And so you don't know what happened. Right. And this is all a blur to her. She doesn't remember this guy. She yes. doesn't remember what happened, but when she goes to check her finances, they're gone. Yep. When she goes to check her mortgage, gone. Yep. She's canned from work and is left with nothing. Nothing and it's uh it's interesting how this relates to someone who not necessarily was drugged but has a drug problem mm-hmm. cuz i've met people that will ruin themselves with pills or booze or whatever it is and then when they have that moment of clarity and lift out of it they go i don't know what the fuck i was doing these last few yeah. years and so this is a person who is very structured and lived a very normal you know normal enough life that has now been forced into the recovering junkie phase yes and uh the first part of that is Admitting what you've done and apologizing, and she has no means by which to do any of it. Yes.
2: Left clueless. Because she has no memory. Uh, in fact, the thief does give her a memory, uh, if I'm not mistaken. He sort of suggests some sort of plot line for her so that, she can, so that although she knows she lost time, she at least feels like there's an excuse for what happened. But now I'm not remembering what hers was. I remember what the guy's was, but what was the story she was given about what happened?
0: Um, I don't. I don't know if she was necessarily given one because well, um, no. Because remember,
2: the guy has the memory of like a drug addiction, right? Yeah, that's what he has. Well, a memory he has. He has an assumption of a drug addiction, right? He
0: he, because he he basically states that he was he didn't even realize he was doing it, but right. Just, but didn't
2: she have one too? I thought she had an assumption about what was going on. Like I felt like this the is the thi- magic of this movie. I know. We still I, don't fucking. know. We still don't totally know. I feel like the thief <laughs> was giving. Uh, this is why this is gonna be a great episode actually, because we're literally gonna dissect this. Like most of the other episodes we've sort of uh, we already have our thoughts before we sit down. Mm. But this one is still uh in, in process. I don't uh, think we'll ever be truly satisfied yeah. with the description I, of it. I have a memory of uh the idea being that the thief takes everything from them but gives them a new backstory. Mm-hmm. Uh a tragedy to uh explain what has Her happened. Your mother to them. was kidnapped.
0: Yes. That was the key. Yep. He says your mother was kidnapped And um, there's a ransom and we need you to pay it. Yes. And it's interesting, too, because he doesn't say... You know, uh, you know, put up your house and all that. Right. He says, well, oh, your mother was kidnapped. How much money do you have? Yeah. She says, well, I guess I could uh, sell the mortgage. Yep. He's like, okay, good. You know, yep. uh, I could sell the equity on my house. I guess I could do this. And basically uses this story to extract as much information as yes. possible. And But, but what, what it really- also
2: does is it gives her a backstory then for when she comes out of this sort of haze that she's been in. Mm. She has this lingering memory of of her kidnapped mother, mm-hmm. uh, which gives her a tragedy to sort of explain away what happened. Mm. But the, bu- but I mean what the whole movie is about is that Chris is one. this has happened to many people, but Chris is one that it didn't fully take hold somehow. Yeah. Uh, she is able to, the, the movie is about cycles and she's able to break the cycle. So her backstory does not feel right to her. Whereas the other characters we meet, that this has happened to, they just accept that backstory. Hers does not feel correct. It doesn't feel right to her. She feels uh uh she definitely knows there's something missing,
0: and they establish right up front um they don 't really show exactly that she is an editor, we know that, yes, and she is important yes, and uh i I believe she has a conversation on the phone, it's irrelevant what it's about, but the tone of it is you know i'm very important at this job, and I have to do this, and she's very structured, yeah, and so for this thief to basically exploit that obsession with structure and use it to destroy all the structure oh, yeah. Is is effective but not effective enough. No. And what's interesting here is that's a full exit on the thief character. Yep. He's, he's gone. done. He's he's neither vindicated nor condemned for his actions. Right. He's out. He's just a part of this cycle. Yes. And so uh one thing that I, I think you had pointed out when we did the interview, uh this has such a distinct three act yes. cycle. But there's really no first, second, or third act. You could do them in any order. Yep. Um, they really do link to one another. And so the first act is really just telling the story of what this drug does. Yes. And who this girl is. Yes. And, and with that, I mean, I don't well, know what we should there's, go into, well, there's, but uh, no, there's actually, that there's is the first a, act. Well,
2: there's still a couple pieces of the first act. Okay. Once, she, uh, once the thief leaves... Mm. and she wakes up to find she has no job, she has no money, any of those things, she notices a worm crawling around under her skin. Oh, yeah, this is the
0: first real... Uh, where it gets to your classic sci-fi element. Yes. This is
2: such a Cronenberg-y moment because
0: uh, it's under the skin crawling and she's trying to cut it out.
2: Yeah, so the so the kids that we see in the beginning are taking, like you said, a very distilled version of this. Mm. What she is given is the actual worm that those kids were distilling. Mm. the The thief puts the worm inside of her body in
0: some way. Now, that makes me wonder if the thief... Has a because he does make her do the um with each new day she makes another paper yes. ring and creates the paper chain. I wonder if the thief is aware of the life cycle of the worm, right? And knows that he has to complete his. Task oh, there's of a certain amount of time because it's it's the day that she wakes up out of it that the worm starts to actually become physically make apparent itself purge. very apparent. In so her. it does yeah. have a life cycle within her as a host. Yes, yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. That's very interesting. Mm-hmm. So maybe he's on some sort of a uh, oh, there's so many maybes. You know, but I think don't they
2: show him in the beginning, sort of testing and working with the worm as a drug? Yeah. So maybe, maybe you're right. Like he he has some knowledge of it uh, that doesn't likely come from uh, the the sampler. It, I think it. I think at this point we can both pretty much agree they don't know each other based on talking yeah. with Andrew and and hearing interviews with Carruth. Uh, so he may have just done his own research enough to know. And we uh, should make
0: the distinction, too. The kids at the beginning, they don't necessarily take the worm. No, no, no. They take the flower. Yes. And this is a flower that is grown from the, uh, or is feasted on by the worm, I believe. I think so, yeah. Yes. I think the
2: worm feasts on it, yes. The
0: worm eats the flower. Yes, yes. <laughs> The head bone's connected to the, no, the worm eats the flower and thusly is given the properties yes. of this yes. uh, trippy flower. Yes, but and, apparently
2: uh, very strong.
0: Very strong. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it is another cycle. The yeah. worm takes that and becomes something more than a worm. Yes. When the worm goes into the human, they become something, something more, than, than human. more than human, yeah. essentially.
2: That's interesting. Hmm. Uh, oh, and so then, as you mentioned, so she sees this like worm crawling around under her skin, and she panics because she's already gone through so much, and she spends a good hour just stabbing herself, trying, trying to, to cut, cut, it, cut out, it out of her body.
0: Like anyone would do. Yeah.
2: Uh, it's it's actually a very terrifying scene. It's it's uh really it's pretty painful. To I reference Cronenberg again. That's yeah. all I could
0: think of was Videodrome. Yeah. yeah, it was just ugh, disgusting physical, and that's beautiful because there's some body horror in yes. the middle of this yes. movie. we out of nowhere. Yeah. yeah. Now
2: correct me if I'm wrong. What the first act actually ends with is the surgery,
0: right? Yes, this is the intro on who's become our favorite character, the sampler. Yes, Andrew played Sensenig, by Andrew Sensenig, whose
2: interview you can hear after the show.
0: Boom. And, um. <laughs> This is just a plug for the other show. I know, I know. Uh, But,
2: uh, oh, uh, so this is a cool scene, actually. I I love this, because one of the things that we haven't even talked about yet is the soundtrack to this movie, which mm -hmm. is incredible, and in in itself, as you pointed out to me early on, a character in and of itself in in this movie. Uh, And and although there's been quite a bit of soundtrack and sound at this point in the film, uh, there is, uh, to my memory, one of the most distinct sounds in the movie. Uh, we're introduced to yet another new character who uh, has like an RV, I believe.
0: This is the the aforementioned uh, sampler.
2: Yes, uh, Andrew Sensenig's character. He he drives this RV out in the middle of a field. He brings these huge amplifiers out around the field, and then he sits down with a little recorder of some kind, something Mm. that will play a series of atonal sounds. Yeah, it's just pulses at this point. Uh, but what you realize is he's essentially fishing. Mm -hmm. He's just sending this pulse out because something about this organism that is now inside
0: Chris's body responds to this particular sound. And we we get the feeling, too, that the sampler has done this before. Yes. And it doesn't quite seem that he understands the why so much as he understands the what. Yes. He knows that this draws certain people to him. He doesn't know why or what the story is. Right. But he is a part of the cycle because yes. he plays these sounds and our lead, Chris, is drawn to them. Yes. Um, against her own will, even.
2: Yes. Uh, and so she approaches the RV and here's where it gets a little weird because it is, the question of how much does he know mm. uh, really comes into play very early on because as soon as she gets there... Uh, He has this very empathetic, sympathetic look on his face. He brings her inside of the RV where he's got a makeshift uh, surgical table. Mm -hmm. And he puts her down and he essentially, what we find out later, gives her a C-section. Yeah. uh, In order to remove the worm and thus lead the organism from her body.
0: And transfer it, too. Because he transfers yes, this worm right. into the body of a pig. Of a pig. I hope you guys watched this movie before. You oh, I know because it it's going to sound insane. insane. I know, but if you haven't, I bet you will want to watch it. I, I hope so. Yeah, and this is another. Uh, this is another thing that I, I would put up on the uh, Cronenberg level of just grew. Yeah. because it's it's a beautifully shot scene. It's very symmetrical the way that they show the transference of this worm to the pig, and uh, it's weird because the sampler we know has has done this before yes. and doesn't know why. So he clearly you have to wonder how much trial and error exactly, has come into like this. He
2: clearly knows that the person that has approached him has this worm inside. Mm-hmm. He, he must. Mm-hmm. There would be no reason for him to have this whole surgical, this makeshift surgery station inside of his RV if he didn't know this was the kind of person that would approach him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there does become a question of how does this cycle start. More than I guess more than a question of what does he know, mm-hmm. it's a question of like how does this cycle even come about. Yeah you know where did it begin yeah
0: and that also brings in the question of of how much like what level of sci-fi is the existence of this sampler yes. is he just a man yeah. or is he more yes yes and yes. Uh, we don't know this yet and no we're not even really supposed to know yet no. because we're still at the what the fuck portion of this yes. movie which runs uh, most of the running time yeah but uh he has transferred it to this pig and as far as as i can tell she just makes her way back home and yep. wakes up. I mean, we're still under the suggestibility. Yes. Um, if you've ever taken acid before, the day after is referred to as an afterglow, where yep. you're still kind of tripping, you don't know it. Yep. Uh, that's really where these people are for a long time after this worm leaves them, is, mm-hmm. is this afterglow.
2: Yeah. And um, uh, Which is where Act 2 begins. That's yes. essentially
0: the finale of Act 1.
2: And so then Act 2... So Act 1 is very science fiction-y, uh, also very much about... um. Um, life like yeah. organisms and and uh, it's the story evolution. Of the drug. And, yeah, yeah. The second act is essentially, I mean, you could you, I this is not what it is, but you the closest thing I could approximate it to is a romantic comedy. Absolutely. Uh, it uh, it's like a meet cute between Chris and this guy who Jeff, Jeff
0: yes, as played by Shane, Shane Carruth, Carruth, yes. Uh,
2: now the interesting thing is my memory is pretty immediately I was able to deduce that Jeff also had undergone the same thing. Oh yeah. It, well, even though it's drawn never each stated other in a weird way, yes,
0: because he almost seems taken aback as like, why am I about to flirt with this girl? Yeah, yeah. Why am I talking to her? This is not what I do. Yeah. But uh, and even her, she's so fucked up by what has happened to her, and so in the dark as to what she's going to do with her life that when this guy's hitting on her, she just almost blows him off. But you can tell that despite their their deep down insistence to just not go through with this, yeah. they are drawn to one another. Yes, and you wonder if this is you know, natural chemistry, or if this is that afterglow. Yes. And um, we don't know right off the bat. We're not told that Jeff has gone through this process as well. But, there's something yeah he 's got secrets, yeah, and, uh, but it 's charming yes it 's an yes. adorable little romance, it it's is two damaged people finding each other when, yeah. when is that not fun to watch A-
2: and it's really interesting because they you 're right, and it 's what makes it unique, this relationship very unique i 've never really seen this this specific kind of relationship on screen before it 's not just that these are damaged people that find each other it 's that these are people that are so damaged. They don't want to have found each other. Mm-hmm. They don't want to be trying to be together, mm-hmm. but they can't help it. Cannot help it. They, at They they are undeniably drawn to each other, even though they, at face value, don't even seem to like each other. No, that no, much.
0: they're really uh, kind of off put by one another. Yeah. It seems, but uh, and it's weird because you do root for them in that that respect. Yes. You do root for them to get together, but it's a uh, it's there's definitely a palpable reluctance between the two of them. Yes but it's it's fun i I don't know how how else to describe it. It is enjoyable to watch them, but it's also frustrating because when you're entering into a relationship you're supposed to be honest with yourself. They always say mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and these are two people that don't really know themselves yeah. anymore they don't know what what they've been through or what's going on, and now they're they can't help but, but be attracted to one another
2: yeah, yeah yeah their their lives are essentially lies at this point that they don't even know about. And so the relationship is really based on a lie that they don't know about, mm-hmm. uh, which adds this layer of complexity to it that's really interesting to watch. Uh, and it's, it's acted very beautifully, I think, by both of them as well. Absolutely. I thought both of their performances were, were pretty incredible. I mean, Karu, I mean, it was almost a decade between this and Primer. I think it was like seven years or something. Mm. So you can see seven years of like development in Carruth's oh, yeah. performance for sure. It's,
0: it's such a mood piece that there's so much acting done without lines. Oh, yeah. I mean, these two characters arguably have the most lines out of anybody. Oh, for sure. But at the same time, it's very minimal. There's mm-hmm. a lot of brooding and a lot of... What in a normal art house film I would just find frustrating Where Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh fuck you, just make a movie Yeah, But it draws you in because it it seems honest And um, what I do like about this is that at this point this this is really where the cycle starts to break mm-hmm. because we know that the thief has done this to multiple you know multiple people yeah. but at this point we can assume that people that have fallen victim to this don't know each other right. and here are two people that by sheer happenstance have crossed paths and felt that attraction because they're both part of this cycle and that's the first kink in the cycle of mm-hmm. this uh, of this life form yes um, two, two people affected met. by it have met and much like the boys at the beginning that are suggestible to one another these two are very suggestible to one another even to the point where they're having conflicting memories that they feel are their own but you know they i'm trying to think how to put this they'll relate memories to one another and be like no that was my memory yeah no, that was my oh memory. i loved that and part. it's such it's as a result of this drug like are they naturally drawn to one another Would they have been if they weren't part of this cycle? Does it matter? All we know is that the cycle is now different than it used to be.
2: And they've become—they're so interconnected by whatever this organism has done by them that that is what happens. They—they suddenly confuse their own pasts. They confuse Mm. their own histories to the point where they start confusing their own present. Mm -hmm. uh, To the point where later in the movie they're able to actually influence each each other's present. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're able to interact with each other's minds essentially Uh, what I really liked about the second act I was thinking about this the other day the first act uh, certainly has a haphazard feel to it to some extent uh, because you feel like you're being given so much information at once that you don't quite understand whereas the second act jumps into an actual haphazardness in its storytelling and I don't mean that as a, a haphazard may not even be the right word because that has a negative connotation to it it's just the second act is like It it jump cuts like every 30 seconds. Yeah, It's like it's just moving through time very quickly. Mm. And it's not exactly clear when all the events you're watching are taking place in the history of Jeff and Chris's relationship. Mm. And then on top of that during the second act, interspersed between all these little scenes of them interacting and getting to know each other and getting frustrated with each other, not knowing whose memory is whose. We also get scenes of the sampler. Yes. The sampler has a heavy presence throughout the whole movie, even when it's not really about him. Mm. And what we get given in the second act is the sampler on his pig farm. Yes. We discover he actually owns a pig farm. Adorable little pigs, too. And he's There's got some cute pigs on this farm. All these pigs they are very adorable mm. pigs. Uh, and we, So now we know, we've been given this piece of information, that at least in Chris's case, a worm was transferred from Chris to a pig. Mm. And now we've got this whole farm full of pigs. And, and she's th-
0: bonded with this pig somehow. We're yes. not told how yet. But she's bonded with it.
2: But what we watch is the sampler walk through his 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 what do you what do you call a swarm of pigs? A crowd of pigs? A, a, uh, a family of pigs? Yeah, a, 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 a s- herd, a swaggle of a group of pigs. A, a, a party of, of pigs. pigs. <laughs> a party of pigs. A pig party. He's walking through the pig party, uh, and he's like brushing. This pig party stinks. Sorry, could uh, My <laughs> my memory of it is he like he brushes his hand against one, mm. and is is immediately transported to a character we've never seen before. He's standing right over their shoulder Mm. and he is watching them intently and seems to be trying to experience whatever it is that they're experiencing at that moment. Not even with them, although that's what it looks like physically, but through them. Absolutely. Uh, And it's not clear right away, but it seems that what's happening is as he transfers these worms from human hosts to pig hosts, it bonds that particular pig to that particular human and through some sort of transference... That is unclear, but some sort of transference. The sampler is able to quite literally sample the lives of the people who hosted those worms previously.
0: Absolutely, and and we call him the sampler uh, for that reason and another one. He he is a music sampler. Um, a lot of his time on the farm is spent just. Clicking things together and making noises, recording them into a sampler and trying to make ambient sounds, which is what the soundtrack is made of. Yes. Is these ambient sounds that have created a, a musical yes. feel. And so and as he's sampling these lives of people, it, in a way he's sampling their emotions to inform his music. Yes. And what is so ridiculous about the whole thing is as we're watching it, the soundtrack that he's creating is essentially what's accompanying the movie it's almost as if the sampler was in the editing room of upstream color and through his soundtrack that he created from upstream color on it yes my eyes are crossed (laughs) it's uh it's it's crazy but it's beautiful because he's he's sampling these people now we know that they've all been thiefed if you will yes and so when he samples these people's lives and looks into them they are all these same lost souls yes but they all exist separately and so, as he's seeing it, whether he's aware that these people are ruined or not is irrelevant. But yes. he gets that emotion of someone who has lost everything, yes. and it's informing his music. But what's different is with the Chris Pig, is that that pig has also formed a romance with the Jeff Pig. Yes, and so the sampler's witnessing a breach in this in his usual life. Yes, of witnessing these lives and sampling them. And so now that they have bonded together, things are different at the farm, and
2: that's where the third act kicks off, I believe, right? With, um, pretty much w- with the two pigs mating,
0: I believe. The two pigs mate at um about the same time that it is not explicitly said but shown that Chris and Jeff get married. Yes, out of nowhere, and and it comes from Jeff's. Uh, he puts out to Chris. He says, "Hey, you know, I lied about my job. Mm-hmm. I had a great job." Mm-hmm. But uh, I stole a lot of money. I mm-hmm. barely remember doing it, mm-hmm. but I stole a ton of money. And they just put me on in an under-the-table capacity because they liked me so much. I'm so lucky to have this job. Yep. But uh, I lost my wife. I'm pretty sure I was a junkie. Yep. And that's when it becomes suggested but very clear that he he has fallen victim. Yes, yes. You know, We're viewing his that- character as we describe it to you as people who have seen the movie. But if you're first time through, this is the point where it hits you like, oh, shit. He's fallen victim to the thief. This isn't a real story. Yeah, this is what this on. is what
2: the thief gave him exactly. as his history,
0: and he's just assuming ah, I was a junkie, I guess. Yeah, and so this is a guy who was ruined, and so whether it was the afterglow that brought them together, or just the fact that they shared a common experience, or the fact that they have natural chemistry, we don't know. We can't know. Right.
2: It's probably a combination of, of all, all three, three of those things. I'd love which to is think is it's what a combination. broke the cycle. Exactly this this magic of these 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 three. Uh I don't know what you would call them like uh concepts I guess sort of mm. like coalescing together. Mm-hmm. Uh and, It's
0: more powerful than the than the organism. Yes, yes. Is the the nature of it. Yep. And it's uh and so they do she she discovers that she might be pregnant. Yes. Uh
2: which causes both a panic in her and a panic in the sampler mm. because he now discovers He has a pregnant pig, Mm -hmm. which goes completely against the cycle that he is so accustomed to. Mm -hmm. Uh, So accustomed to, he's obsessed with it Mm -hmm. uh, and and can't stand to see it.
0: Now, is it part of the cycle, though? Because, well, well, keep going. Well, oh, that's true. That's (laughs) totally true. Oh, my God. That is totally true. But here's the thing is... um, I'm sure his pigs have mated. Yes. But this is the first time that the pigs have mated because the humans have mated. Yes. And so now... And he seems to thing. know that somehow, I he knows, think. Well, he, right? he witnesses their lives. I mean, yeah. he's, we don't necessarily see it explicitly, but he is watching Chris. He yeah. is watching Jeff. Yeah. And this is where we start to wonder the intentions of the sampler because yes. there, there's a pregnant pig and it's, it upsets him. Yeah, oh, yeah. And this is uh, something that we talked about with Andrew's performance here. He has, I think, two lines in the mm-hmm. whole thing. But it's such a palpable you know, angst that he has towards this that you can see in his face. And that's a kudos to the acting, but also kudos to the story is we're given all this information without being explicitly told this information, which is why it's a movie movie. In
2: fact, most of the things you've heard Dan and I say are things that we have deduced from Mm. the information we were given, not because the movie tells us this is what happened. Exactly.
0: I always laugh. I think I referenced this before in Dark Knight Rises. Yes. When um, the Catwoman character, she says, "You know, give me that file." And then the guy's like, "Oh, the file that when you upload it to the computer, it eliminates your entire internet history." Ha! Like a thing like that would exist? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's a movie just, just fucking telling you. Yes, yes. And um, it didn't need to be done. Nope. And so here's a movie that goes the exact extreme opposite, and it just gives you the pieces of the puzzle. It doesn't give you the box. Yes. It just says, put it together. It's going to make- make a picture yeah and we don't know what that picture is and so here we have this sampler that has uh he's upset by this he's this got a pig pregnant pig born. on his hands and it's shown the pig uh, party is over yeah the pig party oh maybe the pig orgy just begun <laughs> but uh we discover now what's funny is uh someone does interact with the sampler he doesn't exist on another plane we do find out that he is indeed on earth yes because a neighboring farmer says hey you're having pigs You know, I know someone who will buy those pigs and he blows them off real quick. Like, yeah, yeah, whatever, whatever. I'll get back to you. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. whatever, you know, and just blows them off and then immediately takes the pigs, puts them in a sack, and throws them in the river. Yep. Which seems cruel. Um, I will relate a story my pops told me. He said that when he was a youth, before the spay and neuter movement was a big Mm -hmm. thing for animals, his neighbor had cats. And whenever they had a litter, he would throw them in a pillowcase, drop them in the lake just Jesus, what people did yeah and it wasn't and when he told me that i was shocked and he said no that wasn't weird then that yeah was just it wasn't how it cruel was it was yeah you know, it was just a thing when you had a farm sometimes yeah. you just had to do it because you didn't want feral cats you can't cats care everywhere. for all of it and you exactly. can't care for all of that reasonably which is why the spay and neuter movement is yeah. so big which is yeah. why bob barker says it on every price is right <laughs> and um and, and you know it's to prevent that and so it's uh it is a common-ish practice, I imagine, amongst farmers. Sure. But for him, there's another level. Yes. Because he has thrown these pigs into the river, and as they start to rot, their their leavings go upstream. Yep. And fuel the plants that are eventually eaten by the worm and yep. cause this whole cycle. So it's here that we start to understand the completion of the titular upstream color cycle. Yes. And um, how our humans are a part of it. Yeah. Uh-
2: but it still leaves us with the question, which I think is fascinating, of how aware is the sampler of the cycle. Does he know that putting these pigs in the river will result in the plant being uh 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 what's the word for it? Like pollinated or whatever by, mm. by the these dead pig remains. Or does he have no idea?
0: It's it's weird and I, I ask maybe perhaps when um just a pig dies. Yeah. He does that and throws it in the river. Sure. And that's, that's what happens because this is also, I mean, it is a change in the cycle because the plants do come up a different color this time. Yes, they do. And, uh, so whereas the cycle before I I could assume this is completely conjecture on my part you know, if one of these people dies, I would assume that their host pig, I'll call it, sure. dies as okay. well, yeah, 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 and he throws it into the river, I think reasonable and then that, that continues the cycle. Yeah. But this is a different... The cycle's still going, he, but it's different now. Yeah, he killed these pigs. He killed these pigs, and at the same time that he kills these pigs, we find out that... Chris isn't pregnant. No, she's not pregnant. No, and so much so that when the doctors look at her, they say, "You're not just not pregnant, but you can't be pregnant." Yeah. In fact, we think you're a cancer survivor. Yes. Because some sort of tumor has been removed from you. Yes. And it was a sloppy job. Yep. And that's when we think back. Oh, the sampler, the sampler pulled this performed worm out. Surgery on. And her. she has no clue what's going on because she doesn't remember any of this shit. Nope. And so now we have this cycle that has effectively been changed. Yes. And so as a result. Our two victims of the thief aren't just going to go about their sad existence. No. Things start happening. They
2: now need to know what... Because now Chris is certain mm. that something happened to her that she has little to no memory
0: of. Everyone remembers if they had surgery. Yes. You know, and yes. she's been told that she's had some very you know, botched and, and yeah, something excessive Something extreme surgery. happened to her.
2: Yeah. Uh, and she has no memory of it. Uh, and so then it, my memory of it is she starts to question Jeff as well in his own backstory mm. uh, because she realizes hers is just bullshit.
0: Now, I've heard a theory. Yes. I don't know if this is true, that they were actually married in the past and that Whoa. she is the wife that, that he left. Now, I don't know. I'd have to watch it again with more evidence, but I was reading up on it the other day, and someone pointed that out, and it, and it fits. Whoa. Perhaps they already did know each other.
2: And that's why this cycle gets broken because mm. somebody, the thief, some thief made the mistake of giving it to both people that did A actually know each couple. other ahead of time. Yeah. Wow, really interesting.
0: Yeah, but I mean, there's no facts whether to to right, confirm right. or deny that. But I mean, that would certainly explain their natural attraction to certainly. one another. Yeah. Also, their natural revulsion towards yes. this whole idea. Yes. And um, But yeah, the cycle's different now. And so they're starting to challenge each other. They're starting to feel this tension towards one another. And you wonder, is it the loss of this child that technically did exist until yeah. the sampler intervened? Or is it just all coming to to you know uh, uh, the capacity of what they can handle here? Yeah, uh,
2: and, and I think this is where the movie basically moves to them and in basically investigating and trying to find mm. the sampler. They don't necessarily know that's what they're looking for, mm. uh, but they they go out on a quest to figure out exactly what happened to
0: them. Absolutely, and There's, they both also have a big blow up when the the pig gets uh, when the baby pigs get thrown in the I river. Was just gonna say
2: yeah. once once the. Once the sampler does something violent to the pigs that are their counterparts, Mm. they feel that violence in themselves intrinsically.
0: And it's weird. It's that bond that the two boys had at the beginning. Yes. It goes both ways. Yes. You know, it is a cycle within itself. Mm -hmm. Mm. Uh,
2: And it's a great scene where uh, my memory is Chris is somewhere that she feels she needs to be picked up from right away. Immediately. She feels in danger. Mm. And Jeff is... Far from her, but not terribly far, but doesn't know exactly where she is. And they start essentially mind melding. And she is able to direct him even though she's not seeing him at all. Hmm. She's like, go left here. Go right there. Go left here. And he and she directs him without knowing where he is and without him knowing where she is immediately to her like mm. very quickly it's a really cool interesting scene that sort of uh, it just it puts a a nice little pin on that like yes th- there is some sort of intrinsic connection to these people Absolutely. because of the organism mm. uh i i love that scene for some reason just the way it was like put together that was the first
0: scene where the the kind of slow sway moodiness went away and brought in urgency yes yes and whereas there is no discernible uh you know classic plot of setup climax denouement yeah this is the first part where it feels like we're moving we're moving towards yeah. something what what is what is this all going to culminate in yeah and so as they're doing this um it almost seems like they're both losing their minds uh-huh. but they start having the shared memories yes um she starts reciting walden oh yeah, which yeah, yeah is yeah, something yeah. that the thief as a as a distraction had people just copying passages from mm-hmm. walden and it just seems kind of just uh It's arbitrary. He just did it to... It's busy work, really. Part of the suggestiveness. But it's in there, and it's through this bond that they start to realize, hey... It's not just our chemistry. There's something oh, afoot. Yeah. yeah. You know, this is where they start to doubt it, and this is where their their reality starts to meld with uh the samplers.
2: Because this is where they get the album, is that what
0: happens? Well, what we do here is that I believe they go they're drawn to the sampler's farm. Yes. They can't figure out why or where, but they're hanging out in the area that he is and they're making the same sound effects that he was. Right. Because this cycle goes both ways. And so they're they're doing the things that he did when he was sampling music and, and figuring it out. And not really sure why. But that's also a lens for us, the the audience, to see that like there is a connection here. Mm-hmm. And they're just not aware. They're on the cusp of being aware of yes. it, but they don't know. And um, based on the mailbox at the farm, the name on the mailbox uh, draws them to the name of the record company. Right. That this sampler, who has just been putting out music based on the emotions he's found out there, and now the cycle is completely fucked. Yeah. Because nobody who... You know the thief doesn't realize that these people have access to his music right. whether he even realizes well, I guess he does realize they're real people because yeah. he performs the surgery but yeah. you know they uh and that's they do have the matching scars too which I oh, thought was cool yes, yeah yes, yes. so they've both gone through this surgery but um he puts this music out there but I don't think anybody was supposed to hear it right so when they listen to this music that was made of their experience yes uh, this is where the, the loop starts to close. Yeah. And things start to come together and they realize there's way more afoot than just, I guess I was a junkie. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Uh, and so then, so my memory is they they go back to the farm then, right?
0: Like they now they know... Kind of who he is and kind of where he is. Well, this is where it goes into... And this is where Carruth takes a huge page from Terrence Malick. Yes. And it's... um, There's a lot of... Uh, and I'd say even like 2001 Kubrick. Yeah. Um, where there's just a lot of strong but uh, moody visuals... That are put on they're supposed to be visually stimulating, but they're also kind of a mind breather. Mm-hmm. There are moments where it gives you a small amount of visual information, but it's a time for you to just think about what the hell's going on. Yeah. Because this is where it stops taking place in a traditional narrative. Mm-hmm. Um as they're learning more, it does become trippier for us, yes, because it's not them going here or going there; it's just quick flashbang experiences oh, right. yeah, 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 yeah. as they start to cross over with the sampler that we read as an audience, as them investigating further, yes. And so this is this is to to talk about the the. I mean, we should, we'll get into the the technique of it later, yeah, but yeah. Uh, the uh, this is where. the the language of the film is truly unique. Yeah. Because, yeah, there were were influences from Cronenberg and Malick and Kubrick and all that. But here's the point where Carruth's doing something new. He's still telling the story. He's not even necessarily telling the truth. He's just giving us pockets of information and allowing us to assemble it. Like I said, he's given us the pieces to the puzzle, but we're not allowed to look at the box. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. It's, and, but it's fine, though, because at this point we're reeling, and with these small moments of where they show the worms growing and they show oh, right, the, right, right. the literal upstream color happening yes. as they're just kind of flickering in and out of different realities, we start to put the pieces together, <laughs> or so we think. Yeah. But uh, it's it's starting to culminate. This is, this is our act three.
2: Yeah, and uh, my memory is where it culminates mm. is with the sample... Sampler sampling Jeff Mm -hmm. And ends up in a high rise Office building sitting across From Jeff am I right about this am Mm -hmm. I I Putting this together right Uh, and now this is Where we had a question of what Is the sampler doing Mm. When he Becomes a physical Part of
0: people's Lives. See, I don't know if he's becoming a physical well, part. Well, that's the thing. Cause I he's... think because Jeff's listening to the album at this right. point. And so the sampler is touching the pig and sampling Jeff. Yes. And so he's seeing Jeff listening to right. the album. And he has this look on his face that's kind of an, oh, fuck, this is wrong. This yeah. isn't what happens. Yeah. And this is Jeff bonding with the sampler and realizing... Who is this guy? And he knows something's up. What's yeah. going on? You know, And it's, it's starting to culminate. Well, and
2: what's really interesting is because all we've seen before of the sampler, but, and the reason I say physically interacting is because I don't know how else to put this. He's not physically interacting. He's not even in the same, if I'm understanding the movie correctly and the way they visualize it, he's not actually in the same physical space as them. Mm. He's quite literally observing them, but the only way to, to put that on the screen visually is to physically put him in the same scene mm. as them. But I think the idea is more that he is observing this thing that's happening. Uh, Absolutely, In their life And so we had a question then of Is he observing what's happening in Jeff's life At the moment Jeff is doing it Or is he observing an experience Jeff has already gone through mm-hmm. And I think we came to the conclusion The answer is he's observing experiences He's already gone through mm-hmm. Because what happens is Jeff's sitting listening to music In this high rise building the, the, the sampler is watching him In that same high rise Listen to that music realizing there's something wrong about this. He's, he seems like he knows too much. And then Chris enters the room as well. Mm-hmm. Even though Chris, I don't believe in, in Jeff's actual history, although this is conjecture on my part, in, in Jeff's actual history, I don't think Chris was in that room. Mm-hmm. I don't think Chris was there to watch him listen to that music. No, I don't think so at all. And she approaches with a gun. Mm-hmm. And then where all the, all the quick, cuts and the, the quick flashes from thing to thing that you were referencing a moment ago mm. really culminates is that's what that's what's been happening we're getting all these quick flashes from the room uh of jeff listening to the music and the sampler watching him to the the upstream color quote-unquote like the the organism making its way upstream from the dead pig bodies into the plant uh, and we're getting all these intercuts and so we see chris with this gun in the high rise and then we get one fast lo- fi- one last final quick cut where she's holding that gun to his face on the actual farm, mm. which is what makes me think... They
0: do a cool transfer here, too, because the sampler is sitting across from Jeff, witnessing him listening to this album, and he realizes, oh, shit, something's up, and he walks away and puts his back against the wall and slumps down. Yes. And that's the exact position we find him on the farm. So yes. we can intuit, he he touched this pig, witnessed this, realized shit's about to go down, and sat down right at the moment that uh, Chris arrives. Yes.
2: Which, it, my memory is, Jeff is just in the car down the road mm. while Chris is standing there shooting him. Which means when he, is, when the samplers is quote unquote physically in the presence of these other people and their memories, it is their memory mm-hmm. because Jeff is not sitting in a high rise listening to the samplers' music as the samplers observing that mm-hmm. he's sitting in a car mm-hmm. waiting for Chris, not knowing that she's about to go murder this man. Mm-hmm uh which is, it was for some reason that like really captured my imagination the the idea of him sampling their lives like how does that work mm-hmm. that that to me was like very fascinating as I was watching like how does this actually work is he is he observing them in the moment is he observing their memories is he somehow observing their future because we do as you said we see him sample Chris and Jeff's journey
0: to find him
2: way earlier in the movie
0: oh yeah and it's um and that's that's the the sci fi element of the whole thing. Yeah, and we talked with the uh, with Andrew, the guy who plays Sampler, about what is the Sampler because we start to ask, is he human? Yeah, and um, he brought up the idea of him being a broken god. Yes, and he is very godlike because he he has this limited omniscience where yes. he sees things that we don't and is yes. capable of doing things that we don't. Yes, but he's also distinctly human in the fact that a bullet in the head will kill him. Yes, that he has these emotions yes. and. I like the idea of a broken God because yeah. he has these abilities, but he doesn't understand them. Yeah. He doesn't really know what it is. All he knows is that he has found a way to make the music that he likes. Yeah. And as long as he does what he does, it's going to keep doing. Yeah. But he is now put in a position where he can't do what he does. Yeah. And um, the source for his music is is now rebelling against him in a way. Yeah. 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 And this is where it takes a turn really quick to like the, the darkness because she does kill him. Yep. And uh, I remember watching that being like, oh shit, her life is fucked now, yeah. but the the movie doesn't go in that direction. No, no, Instead, no. it goes the opposite direction. They are able to use the tools on his farm yes. to draw other victims of the thief to come be caretakers at this farm. Yes. And as these people arrive, they all have that on um, the look on their face, once again with no dialogue, the look of their face of that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, even yeah. if they don't fully understand, there's that relief of there was something bigger. I didn't just fuck up, and there I was a puppet here. But yeah, you know, and it's, it's and there seems
2: to be a real catharsis in each of them getting to meet their pigs yes, as well, which absolutely. is pretty interesting.
0: And there's a very, uh, I believe the movie actually closes on Chris holding a baby pig. Yep. And it's exactly the exact same shot from every movie where a woman gives birth and is holding her baby for the first time. Mm -hmm. This is a woman who, days earlier, found out that not only is she not pregnant, but can't be pregnant and will never have it. Yes. And suddenly she's contented, bonding with this thing that, in some way, is a part of her, Mm -hmm. whether she understands it or not. And it's. It's beautiful. It's fucked up. but It's beautiful. Yeah. It's cool.
2: Uh, And and that's kind of how the movie ends is with them, uh, with all of these victims sort of starting a commune together, it seems, on this farm Mm. and taking care of these pigs together. Uh, But we get one last final little coda where we see that the color Mm. has changed in that plant Mm. and people are now harvesting that plant again. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting is like, what What does that ending mean? Does it mean a new cycle is about to start? Is there now some new property to this plant? Mm. Is it now just a plant? yeah is the cycle know. totally broken and it's now just a plant uh it, It's very interesting uh because I'm pretty sure those are the last shots it's, that it's is people the last cultivating it's people the plant it. Yeah. and
0: I believe it's now yellow instead of blue yes and it's uh you know you can take from that what you will once again there's no specific rule of now the plant does this now right, the plant does right. That. you take this but um yeah that's that is where the movie ends and that's where we finally get a picture of okay there was a cycle here. Yes. And what's interesting to me about this is we're not really shown we never really shown the cycle as it as it were for however many mm-hmm. years beforehand. We're only shown the new cycle or how this cycle was broken. So we're not given the tools to understand how it initially went down. Right. We have to we have to uh intuit that ourselves. Yes. And so that's what's so cool about it. Once again this is what makes this movie interesting is because when when you're done watching it, actually, I totally. If you know me, talk to me about it because oh, I, I yeah, want to yeah, know yeah. what you have to think about it. Because I I don't even know what I think about it. Yet. Yes, but each a- time as you can I've see, Dan it, and I are still li- conflicted yeah. about some of the details. We both have this terrified deer in headlights <laughs> yeah. look in our faces with every word we say. But yeah. that's the beauty of this is that there is no concrete answer. Mm-mm. But everybody who has said something to me about it has had a different, equally valid answer. Yeah. and to make a movie that is so universally distinct but equally accessible and personal for yeah. entirely different reasons to me sounds impossible. Oh my god, and yeah, Comer I totally did agree. it effortlessly.
2: He he really he gets something about storytelling that I feel like we're sorely lacking in a lot of film right now, which is the the question of not uh did you understand it, but the question of how did it make you feel? Yep. Oh man. H- how did you feel when you watched these things happen? Mm. This movie is clearly very concerned with what do our emotions say about us, and what do our emotions have to do with our identity mm. uh and and so you're watching these characters that are heavily emotionally affected uh while you yourself are becoming heavily emotionally affected by them, and you're almost forced to deal with your own emotions about things from watching these extremely emotional things happen on screen mm-hmm. uh, i I loved that about it that i wasn't i wasn't being given yet another story where it didn't really care how I felt about anything. It just cared that I understood what happened. Mm-hmm. And this movie is much, has a, a, an extreme focus on how are you feeling right now? Mm. What, how does this make you feel? How did you feel before you started this? Like that, it, it's very much it's a uh, it's a movie that made me focus on myself internally, which mm. is something that I think is very rare in movies anymore.
0: And it's interesting how they do it because we often talk about which what character is the audience surrogate. Yeah, and I don't believe there is one in this no. movie. There is no audience surrogate. We are, I mean, we have a godlike. Uh, we we just we're just watching everything. We're mm-hmm. one level back from everybody, watching this process unfold. And we just have to take from it what we can. And um, yeah, I, I agree. There's there's no... I don't really care what happened. No. Um, I mean, it's interesting. It's fun to decode. It's a puzzle that you oh, yes, pull apart yes. so you can tell the story. But at the end of the day, the story is really irrelevant to me. Um, I just thought about how certain cycles affect my life and certain yeah. patterns that I follow and how I can break them and how I can change them Yes, on literally every level of life. Be yes. it a good thing, a bad thing, a small thing, a big thing. It really is a commentary on the fact that we are creatures of habit, and um, and I like that you, know, you s- we break that habit.
2: I, I I like that you said that it is uh, universally relatable. Mm-hmm. You said that a few minutes ago because if you think about what we just talked about <laughs> for the last forty five <laughs> minutes, there's not a goddamn thing relatable about it. Yeah. But it is universally relatable. Oh yeah, there is something about. This bizarre cycle in this movie that becomes a parallel for just our general existence, what we all go through every day that we 're living absolutely uh, and that's that 's that's why it 's a movie about how do you feel? how did it make you feel mm. because it is you, it, it is very universally just about our own experience as human beings, whether we 've had this kind of insane experience that happens in this movie or not, you relate to the, the way the characters feel about that experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is that's 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 so effective. That's such effective filmmaking. Uh, think about that. A combination of visuals and sounds could actually make you f- feel something. Mm-hmm. That's such that's 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 a, that's a type of science itself. Oh, that Carruth seems to be investigating. Well, people call it movie. a mood piece, and it yeah. very much is a
0: mood piece. Mm-hmm. I mean, every mood that they want me to feel, I feel. And and just it happens you can't yeah. help it. And I remember the first time I watched this movie, I was sick home from work, and I was like, "Oh, I keep hearing good things about this. I love Primer. I'll put it on." Yeah. And by the end of that hour, I didn't even think about how sick I was. Yeah. Because I was just in my own head. Yeah. And it's good science fiction isn't just zaps and boops and beeps. <laughs> There's always some sort of a a it uh, is some sort of a social commentary yes. or a commentary on the human condition. But usually it's about a look at our world. Look at how people are in this world. Mm-hmm. And this is very much science fiction because it does make a statement on the human condition, but not explicitly enough that's like, this is what people do, this is what people do. Right. It's think about yourself, what have you done? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. it's so weird to me. Like you I'll watch uh I'm trying to think of a really good example. Um Oh, what's a good sci-fi? Well heck, even um when we were talking about the thing. Well heck. Oh shucks. <laughs> um <laughs> where we talked about the thing yes. you know, that was a whole parable John on Carpenter's trust. the thing by the way not yeah, just our the previous thing episode. that we're we're, <laughs> uh,
2: we're holding up an object right now Talk referencing about, it as the, know, thing. the thing about the uh, thing you yeah. know Jack human Uh, uh, John Carpenter's Carpenter's movie thing the thing we
0: talked about how that was a parable on trust and a parable on what it means to be human and all of that and so that's good sci-fi because it gets me thinking about in society who can we trust who can we do all that and I'm thinking about other people and all that but I'm not thinking really about me yeah and upstream color is unique in that it is a science fiction with a social commentary but it's not a broad social commentary it's personal And that's something that's different for every single person who watches it. Yeah. The fact that it can touch that for each person – is, to me, impossible. Yeah. And I'm I, I am a, I'm terrified of what Carruth is going to do when he has a budget. Oh, my God, I because know. Because his first two movies cost very little to make. Yep. Um, it was all substance and uh, technical ingenuity. I mean, there's a lot of beautiful visuals in upstream color that look good, but, I mean, it's not like it, he used a whole bunch of computer graphics or right. anything like that. It's just creative filmmaking. So when he gets a budget, it's going to be terrifying. I mean... Uh, people said that about like Christopher Nolan when mm-hmm. he gets a budget, what's he going to do? And he gave us Inception, yeah, which is you know whether you like it or not, that was a blockbuster with a brain, which we wildly haven't wildly in inventive, wildly inventive. Yeah. He used his movie movie, yeah. And yeah. so when when Carruth gets a budget and gets some like actors that that we know and can really just push them in the direction. Sorry, they need Andrew. To go, Oh no no, no, no. <laughs> but but I mean, hey, he's got a career and a oh, half. Fuck yeah, he does. Uh, well, he's very few years deep in it. Yeah. Has hundreds of credits yeah. and he's very good. No, I'm just saying, you know, when when we see him work with a recognizable face and mold that into yes. something unrecognizable, it's yes. gonna be terrifying. Yeah, because his strength as a director, as a writer, and of course he's gonna be acting as an actor, as a visual auteur, they're all so finely honed, and he's done it with just his own ingenuity. Yeah. It's going to be terrifying. When he gets, when he gets 10 million dollars to throw at whatever he wants, yeah. it's going to be crazy. Yeah: oh, Well, I'll,
2: I'll give you a fascinating piece of trivia. The movie that Chris is editing in mm-hmm. her editing suite is a movie he tried to make. Oh, yeah, in the interim between the two, that requires the type of budget you're talking about and there is the reason go. it never got finished.
0: Beautiful. It happened with uh what's his name? Aronofsky started with a pie. Yep. Visually uh you know, visual aesthetic, perfect, great script, interesting acting, and then suddenly Aronofsky's getting Oscars. Yep. You know, and it's it's he went from a director that was very present and uh you knew that there was a director directing this movie to someone who's almost not there but his stamp is there and it's it's the skill is is palpable and he just keeps getting better. Yes. When Carruth gets a uh, what's his name? Ryan Johnson. Yes. He did yes. brick. It was next to nothing. Yep. Now he's one of the most sought after filmmakers, Looper. I fucking loved oh, incredible. And he had a budget. Yep. He had Bruce Willis. Yep. And so when when we see <laughs> he, had, hey, he had a budget. Bruce Willis. You don't get Bruce Willis for free. <laughs> yeah. You just don't you just don't do it. No, so no that, was, that was that was why I thought that a, was funny. He had a
2: budget. He spent it on Bruce Willis. He spent it on Bruce
0: Willis. <laughs> <laughs> he spent it on on Great visuals, yeah. but you know it's so when, when he gets an original script and uh, when he on that, when
2: Caruth gets a Bruce Willis, yes, he, when he is going Bruce Willis.
0: Oh man. Think about that. Bruce Willis has done some fine sci-fi that we yes. don't we don't give him credit for. Fifth Element, uh, uh, 12 Looper, Monkeys. Twelve Monkeys. I'll um, Unbreakable. Yeah, you know, all this yeah. good sci-fi. I want to see some Bruce Willis, some Shane character <laughs> He got Tracy Morgan. Yeah, uh, you know when when we get all those together, and I'd love to have a return from our friend Andrew Senznig yes, too. Yes, yes, yes. Um, who we should note. uh honestly it gave me faith in the movie industry oh in yeah, that, yeah, uh, yeah we got a guy who's worked with a lot of really big names and he was just a kind person yes yeah. i didn't expect that from he anybody a, he was a very genuine person absolutely uh
2: yeah um oh man yeah i i just want to talk about that interview but it's it's not worth it just go listen to it
0: oh yeah go listen to it and yeah. uh Oh. uh,
2: w- 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 what I would like to say about him before we close out the episode is he is a dude that I legitimately would like to see in more bigger movies. Absolutely, like I want to see a performance out of this guy in like a bit in a. I want to see him in a Marvel movie. Oh, that would you know be I mean? amazing. He would yeah. be so
0: good as as some sort of scientisty character. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, and we should talk about why the sampler, like we said, has maybe two lines of dialogue. Mm-hmm. His whole performance is so emotionally dense yes but he does it all with his face it's all his face and that's a testament to him as an actor mm-hmm. and also to just the team he was working with yeah I mean, you uh, don't caruth is a writer
2: yeah being able to put this kind of story together without any dialogue being mm-hmm. able to help him craft a character like that when there's no dialogue to base that character on so to speak mm-hmm. uh it's uh it's a really powerful. Performance. Like I wasn't. Uh, you'll you'll hear me kind of blow him in the interview a little bit, but yeah, I wasn't the whole way through. I wasn't kidding when I said it was one of my favorite performances I've seen this year. It Absolutely. is legitimately, and here's why. I actually thought about this more. I can't. I literally can't think of another performance I saw this year that like uh, that. I that I just readily think like, whoa, that performance was like. I need to talk about it. Yeah. SenseNix is the only one I can think of that I'm like I need to talk about that mm-hmm. I need to let people know what perf- that the the level it of performance to be talked that I gave. about
0: because it's not just someone reading a script yeah. and playing a character it's, yeah. it's a full on immersive experience yeah. and it's uh I mean like you said Upstream Color is available on Netflix yes it still stands as um in my top three of the year sure I yeah, I mean, yeah yeah it's up there and I, I'm putting it up there with Twelve Years a Slave and mm-hmm, things like that mm-hmm. and this is a movie that that. I, I I want to see it in the theater so bad, yeah. and, and I'm ashamed that it, it was never around for me to see. But if that opportunity arises, I'm doing it in a second because yeah. it really is just a, a an entirely unique movie. And for all the reasons we've listed, it is a movie movie. Oh yeah, it, yeah. It is hands down. There's no other format. You could not adapt this into a book. You could not do anything. But uh, visuals, soundtrack, script, performances every ounce of that is at the top of its game yeah. and that's that's something you don't often get
2: and i'll tell you what here's another reason you should watch this movie on netflix you should watch this movie uh, and, and you know what don't even if if you are inclined to or have the money to rent it on itunes rent it on amazon buy a, oh, yeah. buy a copy of it here's why they're not George Lucas and Spielberg are not wrong. They're not fucking kidding when they say Hollywood as an industry is imploding itself. It is only making $300 million budgeted movies. We movies like Upstream Color are becoming less and less. They're getting harder and harder to find. They're getting harder and harder to make. So we should be supporting smaller movies like this as much as we can Absolutely. to let Hollywood know that we still want to see stories like this. We want to see
0: quality. I yeah. mean, I'm, I'm all down with bombastic visuals oh, and huge me too. explosions. It's so great. fun. Love it. But, you know, if there's no meat on the bones, what's no. the point of eating it? Yeah. And it's... it's it's and guess what?
2: It. I do want to see movies where big robots beat the shit out of each other. Oh, absolutely. I also want to see an emotionally arresting, affecting movie. A
0: budget doesn't make a And movie. I don't
2: need them to be the same movie. Mm. Uh, I, 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 in fact, probably prefer them to be separate movies. You know, you know I, if I want to see robots beat the shit out of each other, that's what I'm sitting in the theater for. Mm. But I also want to see a movie that really moves me, mm. you know? Uh, and you don't. It, it, it's hard to do that when there's that kind of money involved. Absolutely. It's really hard to do that when there's that kind of money involved. Uh, so I, I would encourage people to go out and, and, and put some money into this movie uh, and, and movies like this, small movies like this, because I, I do think we're approaching a time where it's not that these things won't be available to us and they won't be made, but they're certainly not going to be made within the industry that actually has the power to make them.
0: Exactly. And, and the one good thing about film right now is we have access to that. Yeah you can you can get anything you want. Right. And um you can and it's good for filmmakers in terms of distribution, yeah, but not in terms of funding. Yeah. And so that's why a movie that was released this year was released almost immediately on video on demand yep. and and uh Netflix. Yep. And I'm thankful that it was because I got to see it. Yes. But uh I think it's our responsibility to tell you to go seek it out. Yeah. Because if there's ever a chance that I can see it on the big screen, I'm paying the oh, money for I it, mean, I'm fucking, going. Yeah, you know, I'm absolutely. not gonna not see it. And it's uh, you know, we don't, we don't. You're right, we don't get that kind of thing. And and it's it's cool to have the. I was listening to a comedian, John Mulaney. Yes, he has a great bit where he says, you know, they'll spend three hundred million dollars on a movie, and I'm like, you didn't need to do that. I would have paid money to see what three hundred million dollars looks like. (laughs) And that resonated with me because it was like, yeah, you know what? That does that isn't what makes the movie good. Yeah. Um, Transformers—they make so much money. They put so much money into making those movies look good, but are they good? Right. No. No. They're—they're they're a lot of fun to watch. Sure. I'm not going to knock no, them. No. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, you know, if—if if these are our storytellers, if these are our campfire yeah. tales, you know, we want to have a good story, and yeah. we want to have one that's worth using. And the best way to do that is to use all forms of the medium. Yeah. And that's why movie movies are movie movies, and that's yeah. why Upstream Color is a movie movie. Yes. It Uses every ounce. Of what it had at its disposal to its maximum capacity. It, I might argue it's, it the, it's the
2: most movie, 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 movie we've talked about oh, yeah. on I Like to Movie Movie. I
0: would agree with that 100%. Yeah. Uh, it's it's insane. It's so good. Yes. Uh, and why not have some sci-fi that's worth talking about?
2: Oh, fuck yeah. That's you know. All sci-fi should be that. It's like you said. Sci-fi should be some sort of commentary on, on us or, or our society, us personally, whatever. Uh and we are living in an age where everybody's so obsessed with sci-fi, we're getting things like Transformers. Oh yeah. Where there's nothing to it.
0: We're getting things like I Am Legend. Yeah. Which is a great story. Sure. But they changed the entire meaning of the story because the test audiences demanded more zaps, beeps, boops, and explosions. Yep. And we're and left references with a movie and references to Shrek. <laughs> and we're left with a movie that is emotionally deficient and turned out to kind of be a bomb. Yep. Whereas I firmly believe that if they had ignored the test audiences and went to it, it might not have made as much money, but it would have been more highly regarded. Sadly, it is a business, and the money talks. So we're saying, make your money talk. Yeah. Put it towards things like Upstream Color. Yeah. Put it towards things that are that are going to let the suits in Hollywood know that, you know, keep giving us what you're giving us, but we want something else too. Yeah.
2: And I'll uh, I we're we're definitely trying to wrap this up, but I uh, you, yeah. you gave me one one more thought that I want to bring up. Watch any Alex Proyas movie. Uh, watch any Alex Proyas movie and see how putting too much money into a great science fiction concept can turn it into something that's not actually that interesting. Oh, yeah. All of his movies are extremely interesting and they're actually all very good, but you can absolutely tell that because he wanted a budget and to be able to make the movie as visually interesting as it is, uh, 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 conceptually, interesting, conceptually yeah. interesting, uh, Put too many fingers, you know. There, oh, yeah. there, there were too many fingers in it, and iRobot
0: was on the cusp of being a classic. Yes. I, I yeah. I've always stood by. So it So was knowing. I people shit on knowing all the time. the well, that's the thing. Is knowing is such a good idea, and then it loses sight of what it wants to be. Yeah. Arguably because the producers or whoever yeah. said, "Ah, we should make it more this because yep. that's what people want." Yep, even you Dark know. City.
2: Uh, I would seek out the director's cut uh, if you can so find good. it. It's an it. It's entirely different it's movie. Excellent, than the theatrical but it's an cut. entirely different movie than the theatrical cut, which does totally not totally, but uh, takes a lot of the the wind out of its sails. And then there's The Crow, yeah. where he tried to make it one way and then accidentally shot his star to <laughs> yeah, death. Yeah, ah, yeah. what are you gonna do? Yeah. Uh, so I only bring that up to say that's a great example of why we should be supporting this kind of smaller sci-fi that does get the chance to actually Absolutely. tell its story. Uh, because when you put too much money into it, a lot of times, uh, you, you, end up taking what is actually interesting about that story away from it.
0: Absolutely. I, I'm trying to think of uh, what was that one? Moon. Did you see Moon? I loved Moon. Moon was brilliant. And you know what? That was a very, like the special effects were tinker toy on yeah. that, but it didn't matter because nope. it was a good story handled well. Yeah. And then uh, Duncan Jones got uh, a budget, followed it up with a movie that wasn't originally written, right. but source code. Yep, fantastic blockbuster, yeah. way more brainy than mm-hmm. than other movies. I mean, that was close to being perfect. Yeah, and so yeah, these are things that that can happen. Yeah, you know, we take money, we throw it at the guy who gave us you know the prestige. Yeah, and suddenly he gives us Inception. Yeah, you know, it's 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 important.
2: Inception might be a, a shining example of. A shitload of money into a sci-fi piece that doesn't ruin it.
0: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Because he uses it. Yeah. It's not just used to be like, oh, you know, we really need something explosive here so we can sell an IMAX yeah, yeah, screen. Yeah. No, it's this is this fits, and that's yeah. just smart writing.
2: Yeah. Uh, all right. I think that uh, I mean, unless you have more to say, I, I think that's uh as, as far as I can definitely. keep it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Oh, right. What have we been watching lately? Yeah. That kind of
0: thing. I saw a movie last weekend that I think is going to land Matthew McConaughey at least an Oscar nomination, Dallas Buyers Club. What the fuck Uh, is that? Dallas Buyers Club is in the theaters now. It's got uh, Matthew McConaughey, Jared Leto, Jennifer Garner. Okay. Uh, Matthew McConaughey, it's a a true story. I'm doing air quotes as I say that (laughs) because it's about a guy, but of course it's been Hollywoodized. Yeah. In 1985, he's like a rodeo cowboy, total homophobe, racist, just good old boy, southern guy, just a real piece of shit partier, cokehead, you know, just... Maniac. Yeah. Finds out he has AIDS. Whoa. Doctor says, you have 30 days to live. That's how sick you are. 30 days. And um, he can't really get medicine. So he goes to Mexico, gets a whole bunch of medicine, and says, well, if the doctors aren't going to sell it to you, I'm going to sell it to you. But since it's illegal to sell it, pay me $400 to enter my club. And in my club, the drugs are free. And so he makes a buyer's club of people that do a monthly subscription which is just for a membership where he can give away uh, AIDS drugs for free. And he lives another seven years doing this and saves a lot of lives or extends a lot of lives. And it's a story about Matthew McConaughey, this guy who's closed off from the world, is told he's no longer to be part of this world suddenly is opened up to the world by you know being forced to do this thing he's suddenly making friends with with drug users and gays and people that he had not, you know didn't want to have anything to yeah. do uh, Jared Jared Leto plays a transsexual in it whoa it's it, and he's awesome. which perfect casting by the way yeah, you do not have casting, to <laughs> but he's phenomenal yeah. in it like absolutely just terrifyingly good and it's one of those movies that is so dark, so depressing, so sad, but so uplifting because, yeah. like I said, it's a story of a man closed off from the world who, through dire circumstances, is forced to open it up. And they take this despicable character; he's just he's just awful. And by the end, like you distinctly, truly care for him. And it's uh, it's a really good movie. It's in theaters right now. I saw it this weekend, and that is going to be. Um, I think that both of them are going to get at least a nomination for actor wow. and supporting. It was phenomenal. Wow, Dallas Buyers Club. Check it.
2: Shit. Uh, so I don't have anything new to recommend. I've been trying desperately to see Thor, and I haven't made it out <laughs> to see it. Uh, but I, I have. I am. Uh, om, I am five episodes into season five of Breaking Bad, oh. uh, and I, I can finally say I highly recommend Breaking Bad. Uh, Say
0: that like you're the you're not the only person who hasn't seen it. The, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there
2: there was a there was a point uh, in Breaking Bad though where I was like, really, why does everybody like this show so much? Uh, and then it really took off for me, and I'm like, really, uh, I, I'm excited to uh, get to the end of it and and see where it goes. I'm very interested. Uh, but the other thing I can recommend uh, that again, it's not new. But it's something I've loved for a long time, and I just happened to rewatch it the other night and remember why I love it so much. Is
0: Jody Hill's "Observe and Report"? Oh, uh, that is Seth Rogen's "Cable Guy," yes. and I mean that in the best way possible. Yes. That is highest compliment. It is. Uh, it
2: it it is one of my favorite comedies of the last without five a years. doubt. It, it is so funny, but in the most bizarre way. It's I I can't. I can't even think of anything to compare its sense of humor to, really. Uh, really,
0: just other Jody Hill work. Yeah, exactly. It's unique. Yeah. It's, I don't uh, think there's a single likable character in that cast. No, yet you root for them. Yeah, uh. exactly.
2: It's uh, it, it's very mean, mm. but doesn't feel mean spirited. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it, oh, it's so interesting. It's uh, and it's very funny. It's I mean, it's always described this way, but it is a very. It's the best way to describe it. It's a comedic version of Taxi Driver, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, it. Uh, oh man, I, I can't recommend it enough. It's got great performances in it. Uh, Ray Liotta has one of my f- all-time favorite scenes like in cinema history in this movie where he just blows up at Seth Rogan and screams at him. It's, it's one of my favorite performances I've ever seen. Uh, it, it's just full of like really fun scenes that are all in their own right, very dark and very sad. But when you look at it as a whole, it's very good. It's very fun. Uh, Uh, But but what I like most about it is my memory of the first time I saw it in theaters. The only reason I went was because I was a huge Seth Rogen fan. uh, Because at the time, he had only really been in like three movies I had seen. uh, And I really liked him. So I went to see it just based on him alone. And I just remember the feeling of seeing... Because I don't feel this way now when I watch it. But the feeling of watching it the first time was every time there was a joke, I would laugh really loud, really hysterically for about three seconds before I immediately shut myself up and felt very guilty for yeah. laughing that hard.
0: It was weird. A lot of people didn't like it and they weren't laughing that right. hard. I saw that movie on a date and I don't think I ever went on another date with that girl. Oh, yeah. And I yeah. think that had a lot to do with it because she was just offended. Mm-hmm. And I was gleefully just a pig in shit. Yeah. But I think that was a, a big thing then is he was Seth Rogen, the schlubby guy. He's yeah, a stoner yeah, yeah. that everyone loves. And he plays a legitimate psychopath. Yes, yes. You know, uh, Jim Carrey with Cable Guy. Yep. He was the zany guy who talks out of his butt and yeah. he plays this legitimate fucked up person. Yeah. And I, I thought it was great. I, I love it. Uh, so I, I, I can't recommend that
2: enough. That's, that's one of my favorites. I would agree. That's yeah. a great movie. Uh, Well I think that'll do it For this week But we encourage you Please Literally Right now In your feed Is going to be uh, What will probably Like episode 8 or 9 Of this show Whatever Uh, It's an interview With Andrew Sensenig The the sampler Of uh, Upstream Color Please check that interview out And let us know What you think Uh, We'd like to do more Interviews like that Uh, Give us your recommendations People you'd like To hear us talk to Uh, Hit us up on Twitter At I Like 2 The number 2 movie I Like 2 movie Uh, And let us know
0: Yeah Um Show's available on iTunes. So yep. subscribe on iTunes, throw some reviews down. Yes, please. Uh, I like it. to movie dot com. Yep. Facebook.com slash. I like to movie. Uh, like us on Facebook. Definitely give us feedback. What do you want to hear about? Yeah. And definitely check out the other episode because it's probably a much more crystallized version of what we tried to do here tonight. It really is. Yeah. We were gleefully just, you know, but it, it's, you can hear it. We love this movie. Yes. And so you'll get an inside view from a person who lived it. Yes. And, uh, so definitely check it out. And, yeah. um, also, you know, just to check him out. Uh, at Andrew Sensenig, but we'll put all that on the website and all. Yeah, it is. Uh, it is available. Follow him because he's. He said he wants to meet more people and do more things, and you know, just become a fan. He's a. He's a man who deserves our support, and uh, was kind enough to give it to us. So yeah, yeah, was, definitely uh, check it out. Yeah,
2: uh, you can find me on Twitter at Philadelphia. That's with an F. And uh, come check out my. Uh, if you're in the Philadelphia area, I run a weekly open mic at Medusa Lounge on Tuesdays
0: called We, we Do. do. Very nice. What do you got? I got, um, follow me on Twitter at Dan Scully. Uh, you can, uh, check out my blog at thedanscully.tumblr.com. That's where I put like movie reviews and stuff. Um, it's probably going to end up becoming the de facto movie, movie blog as we do more writing and stuff like that. And, um, yeah, definitely check that out. And, uh, if you are listening to this, uh, there's a show coming up at World Cafe Live on December 21st. Oh, yeah, you're plugging my show. Yes, I'm plugging your show because I'm on it. It's, uh, it's, uh, uh, yeah, it's, You've heard of this show before. All bets are off. Uh, the guys from Trailer Trash, that's Garrett and Mike, they uh, they put on this show, and uh, Garrett will be hosting. I'll be yes. performing. So definitely come check that out as well. And also, if you're so inclined, check out supercrappyfuntime.com for uh, one of my other shows. Yeah. And uh, is,
2: uh, oh, uh, yeah. And check out food. my other uh, podcast, Trailer Trash. You can look that up on iTunes. And uh, um, you should uh,
0: check out my favorite bands. No, okay. <laughs> my favorite uh, food... Mac and cheese, mac and cheese with hot dogs cut up in it. Mm. Yeah, definitely.
2: Well, see, if I'm going to do hot dogs, I do white cheddar mac and cheese. Oh
0: fuck, yes! Yeah, Velveeta yeah. shells and cheese, white shells. Mm. No, no, mm. I lost you
2: on that, mm. Mm. buddy. Kraft, Kraft. Mm.
0: Well, I'm into craft but I mean, I'll, I'll mix it up little bacon bits, whatever. Velveeta? Some hot sauce. Mm-mm. Get out of here. Don't do the velveta.
2: Fucking disgusting uh. paste cheese in a no, packet. My
0: favorite is Stouffer's but I don't have an oven.
2: Stover's is, is got that homemade feel to it. The crispy uh, yeah, brown yeah, yeah, top. Yeah, 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 so good. Yeah, Upstream good, color. Good. Up, up on, up on Netflix. <laughs> uh, so uh, uh, my name is Garrett, and I like to movie movie. My name is Dan, and I like to movie movie. And we all know that you, you like, like to movie movie because we, we like, like to, to movie, movie movie. Do we say
1: it twice <laughs>